Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, Bernard Gunther, and myself, Laura Matsu. And today's topic is going to be about embodiment and healing trauma. And as always on this podcast, the first hour we're releasing for free to the public and the second hour we'll go more in depth on this topic will be available on the veilofreality.com membership forum. So without further ado, we're just going to get right into it. So... First off, um, what is embodiment? Um, and I guess I'll just say my own personal definition. Um, and I'm sure there's many definitions and you have your own. But for me, embodiment is when like my soul and my spirit are basically in sync with each other. Or sorry, my soul and my body are in sync with each other. And I think, um, for myself, it's very easy to disassociate, get stuck in the head, but it's really kind of this alignment. And I think we live in a very fragmented culture where people compartmentalize like their mental realm, their spiritual realm, their emotional realm. But it's really about just being in the body and feeling what that feels like. And it's very easy to say, like, you know, that we're embodied. But from my own experience, embodiment is actually not the easiest process to get into because as our other part of the other part of this uh, title is, is about healing trauma and the main reason that we leave our bodies is because we have all these emotions stored in our bodies which need to be processed so the embodiment process is also interwoven with healing trauma and I think collectively we live in a traumatized culture I think anyone who says that they don't have any trauma is basically disembodied that's just my own perspective or maybe they're enlightened who am I to say but for the most part we all have emotional issues which are basically trapped in our body as unprocessed experiences so yeah what is your definition of embodiment i think you have like an official one there too. i as well, have don't an you? official one which actually goes very much in line in tune with what you just mentioned <clears throat> excuse me and just looking at the word embodiment itself from the dictionary and um, the root word of embodiment stems from two words from embody which literally means in reference to a soul or a spirit invested in physical form. In plus body meant the suffix forming nouns. And synonyms for embodiment are actually incarnation, avatar, manifestation. And we know avatar is a manifestation of a really soul and bodily form. In incarnation, a person who embodies spirit in the flesh. So as you just mentioned, embodiment also is about anchoring the spirit or the soul fully in the body that soul and body are unified. And it, from an esoteric perspective, it relates also to uh, embodiment, also to the evolution, soul individualization, evolution of the soul, to grow a soul, which many esoteric teachings have talked about. You know, um, many of us in our culture, we mistake many things for uh, our true being, for our soul, and mostly mistake the conditioned personality, the traumatized, wounded personality with the soul. Right. So the process of embodiment, as you mentioned, is about getting into our bodies, but not necessarily just uh, in the physical way of just getting fit, you know, and exercising all of that. All that is fine and good. But the embodiment process is about bringing the soul to the front. Right. So. And that's we have a little uh, yeah I think also this is a good time to note that this will definitely this podcast will definitely include some background noise <laughs> including farm animals and I'm not sure if they picked that up but there was a tractor that just drove by and that's just kind of the circumstances we're dealing with so um, yeah, we're recording at a working farm in Eco Village, and um, there's a lot going on. So, if you yeah, hear, we're here from uh, Vancouver Island. Yeah, and it's beautiful here at the Eco Village. Yeah, so that's uh, just a little disclaimer. Disclaimer that I forgot to put in, and uh, luckily, it's not the goats feeding time, so we're not gonna get that chaos in the background, but. You may hear the random sheep or there's also a cow that seems to move a lot at certain times of the day. But I think we're going to avoid that. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Let's Okay, so it's most importantly, it's about not making it a purely physical or mental process. So like even just us describing embodiment, you know, 
is is also creating a mental process about it, but then also through understanding it intellectually, you can use certain practices and become aware. But for me too, it was really through my own meditation practices and own embodiment practices, which we'll get into later. It's really about being able to find what that feeling when you are embodied is like. And then anytime you get out of body, which is going to happen throughout the day, like I don't know very many people who are going to be embodied all throughout the day. There are people out there, especially people who live really in tune with nature. I think that's a really important thing. Like anyone who's like on an iPhone or very computer have, has a very computer heavy uh a job basically is going to be disembodied a lot of the time and even people who are like in academia where they're very intellectualized so it's about bringing yourself back to your body all the time like the body especially people who have like trauma they tend to disassociate a lot i know that's through my experience and that's also you know a survival mechanism of the soul in in a sense it's like the the pain that it would feel to process an experience almost overwhelms it so it kind of exits the body so like it's really important to to just have compassion for yourself and see that this is a bit very big collective and very normal thing like you know I go out everywhere when I'm in the city I just witness people who are just not there not present fully embodied because it's a <clears throat> it's not an easy experience um to be fully embodied as I mentioned before so I think we just really want to make sure it's not about a purely physical or mental process and take into uh, account the mind-body-spirit perspective. You know, and that what reminds me also with <clears throat> mistaken embodiment is yeah, being more in touch with your body, but not mistaking it of just like just the physical aspect of getting in shape. Otherwise, like every Cirque du Soleil acrobat would be embodied, but mm -hmm. that's not necessarily so, or even people who work out a lot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can actually even use uh, physical activity, working out, building more muscle to become actually ironically more disembodied, more that's very de common, desynthesized, yeah. right? So it's really important that there's, there's a deeper process Uh, that relates to soul integration, also emotional intelligence. And like you said at the beginning, when you're really engaged in this process of embodiment, right, it also will bring stuff up, stuff that we've suppressed, wounds, mm -hmm. trauma, uh, emotions we've suppressed all our lifetime, even lifetimes will come up in that process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like at first, it's definitely more difficult depending on what kind of background you have, but then it does get easier. Like I'll just give an example, for instance, today through my own meditation process, which is a very embodied meditation, which we'll get into later. But um, even just the other day, I had this experience where I witnessed at the airport waiting for you um, that this old woman and her daughter were there. Her, this old woman basically didn't want to get on the plane and she obviously had dementia or some severe mental uh, illness that I think was caused from old age and there were they just I could just see them like she was just having a meltdown her daughter just I could see the pain on her face like I could see like decades of pain of having to deal with this and I was just feeling for her and then interestingly today through my meditation I was just scanning my body after I had done some deep breathing and I felt all those memories come back and I realized like that was actually a little bit of an unprocessed experience that was stored in my body just from witnessing that it was very interesting how I got that flashback again so it's also you know maybe we can go more into depth about this whole like embodiment is like this hero's journey it's a spiritual journey and in i know in uh the meditation teacher i really like reggie ray he talks about the somatic descent and descent into our bodies and it's also a descent into like almost the underworld and i know you went into really like great depth on this on your hero's journey webinar so maybe you could talk about more like just give a little short intro to what what that entails Yeah, the hero's journey is based on, uh, <clears throat> as many listeners maybe know about Joseph Campbell's work, right? The archetypal hero of the journey, leaving uh, the known world, uh, going on to the adventure and going down into the underworld, fighting demons, fighting demons within and without, uh, liberating the princess, married, <clears throat> becoming married to the, the princess and the unification, which is all symbolization or symbols. Uh, mythology for actually that embodiment process, you know, um, of also because the embodiment process also relates to the alchemical marriage of the inner male and female. Could you talk a little <clears throat> bit more about that? 
in that sense, it relates to, you know, like what you mentioned at the beginning, uh, in our world, we live, you know, mostly in our heads, like a disembodied state, state is a, a head, it's a state of head-centric living. And especially in modern culture is geared towards, we're constantly on iPhones, smartphones, computers, we're driving, we're constantly in our heads, not feeling in our bodies. So this head-centric analytical existence of just being caught in the head is the quote-unquote male aspect of consciousness. And the feminine aspect of consciousness is grounded in the body, uh, in the in the gut, in the pelvic floor, right, where our intuition also is uh, located and where we actually, our own compasses where we make decisions from or quote-unquote should be making decisions from that is finely tuned to who we truly are to us you know mm -hmm. to because most people would also realize that i'm not taking myself out of the equation when i'm on my head head centric you always look outside yourself for somebody to tell you what to do right mm -hmm. or you compare yourself to others yeah right so <clears throat> um the whole process <laughs> sorry <laughs> It's a small studio here, hitting things. Um, <clears throat> the whole process of uh, the hero's journey is also uh, the, uh, the journey of the un reunification of the inner male and female. And when the hero liberates the princess and marries her, he liberates his own inner feminine aspect, right? And it's unification of mind and body, really. Yeah, it's sense. like sinking the mind and the body, which is also like Chong and Trumpa talks about that. That's like synchronizing the mind and body. That's supposed to be the point of it. Exactly. Like your meditation practice, essentially. Yeah. And yeah, in that webinar, you mentioned the hero's journey, the process of embodiment. I go way deep into all of that. And, but yeah, we touch on some of the aspects here of yeah. this podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you want to kind of understand more of the spiritual perspective of that more in depth, you can go through that webinar and then it'll be a great teaching. And um, yeah, and I think the most important part, though, is like, I think, I mean, even referenced in the hero's journey, it's like this descent into the underworld and also a descent into the unknown is because like, I don't know, maybe some Montessori or Waldorf schools um, or some homeschoolers, homeschoolers, but I don't know any schools who teaches children how to be like, listen to your body. What's your body telling you? And that should actually, I feel personally, be one of the most fundamental teachings we should teach children because already naturally they are listening to their body. That's the thing. And I heard this amazing definition of sanity the other day is from my meditation, from a meditation teacher, not the one I just mentioned, um, where sanity, and he was, he was paraphrasing someone else, but sanity is basically the body receiving the message first and then the mind responding. And insanity is where the mind receives the messages first and then the body responds, or rather most of the time reacts. And you can see that in, you know, like in action. So say you have like an intuitive feeling about something and then like your mind tries to rationalize because when you also have these inf this information coming in your body like m most of us don't have actually the translation tools to like actually know what that is so that's also something to watch out for is like through this process of embodiment and receiving information we also have to realize not only do we have to get into our body and receive the information but you also have to become ac accurate translators of the information as well like so say if you have this experience and you feel very triggered and very fearful it may not necessarily mean that the situation that triggered it is is dangerous but that could be trauma arising in your body and then also having the wisdom to develop that intelligence and um, in in the in the alternate sense when the mind receives the messages and the body responds that's when like our mind goes spinning in circles like worrying or you know uh, creating some unless uh, an ideal state and then the body starts getting a reaction from it it's like we're creating like a thought form that almost like starts integrating into our body so yeah exactly now so I just want to touch upon what you just said you know in our society um Yeah, now it's like you mentioned in our educational system, you know, in our schools, we're not being taught anything about embodiment. We're not being taught anything about the body-mind connection. We're not being taught anything about emotional intelligence. The mind, the IQ is in fact worshipped, right? And uh, and I would even say that's by design, right? It ties into the whole matrix control system. If the government would be truly in, uh, you know, in char in uh, in service for the people, we mm -hmm. would also already 
you know, being taught all these things. And like you said, as well, children are naturally already, you know, before they become conditioned, before the essence being pushed down and they're being formed into a quote unquote programmed entity, so to speak, are more already in touch with their bodies and truly ha in, in touch with their own inner guidance, right? Yeah. But we're being, it's being discouraged or, you know, if you've been told, to, you know, don't trust your intuition, don't trust your feelings, you know, that's not rational, you know, and all these, these words we've been taught. And especially men, I feel are very much um, conditioned in that way because, It also, the whole embodiment process, like you said, it also, it brings up stuff, right? So it requires a certain vulnerability, yeah. right? To be able to accept certain emotions. And we are afraid we don't want to feel quote unquote negative emotions, right? It's the, yeah, it's a constant pursuit of pleasure and avoidance of pain. And many people are just don't want to show that, don't want to feel that side. They want to show it to others because they're concerned how others may think of them or they're weak. Yeah. You know, you have the whole, The male wound, let's say it from this perspective, you know, you know, boys don't cry, don't be a pussy, like all, all this suppression and it just gets stuck and stored in the body. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's also just leading to what you said earlier about schools. That is, it must be by design because if you like for myself, like I have, I was a very sensitive kid in school and I had such a strong uh, reaction against like sitting in a desk and just having to listen like it, it, my body actually was not wanting to be and like I went to like a basically a public school and my body was not wanting to be there so if they were to teach kids to listen to their body in school it would actually probably make the whole system break it down would break, exactly. so, <laughs> they would realize we don't need government what is the statism yeah <laughs> exactly and they'd be like why you know why are we learning like this like I think that's also why there's more if you look at these more quote unquote alternative schools like Waldorf and Montessori schools one of the main things that they do is having a connection to nature is like a lot of them are like by streams and and, and so because they realize that's also a really important part of embodiment is um when we spend time in nature it's almost like it if, if you don't have any sort of like meditation practice or mind body practice practice i think the most accessible way to get embodied is to be in nature because usually you know for unless you're listening to a podcast or something which a lot of people do as well but and when you're in nature it actually kind of arrests like all the kind of mental intellectual activity and you're just enjoying that experience and there's some sort of i feel subtle synchronization that actually occurs although i think that's not the only thing but i think that just being in nature can give you more of this experience of like being in tune with the elements and being more in tune with that feminine that feminine side of us and i know personally like maybe you can just touch on our own personal experiences with embodiment But, um, for, for so far, I started out like I had like at least like a decade plus of like severe sexual trauma that I had not dealt with and I was just masking with pharmaceuticals basically. And then all, that all came crashing down and at a point basically the pain overwhelmed. Either I was going to take so much drugs that I killed myself or I had to stop doing that and start addressing my trauma. So for me, the gateway was just doing yoga, which by the way, like I don't even know why I just knew that yoga made me quote unquote feel better at the time. But what was really happening is it was, it was releasing trauma from my body in a slow process. And that's also why, by the way, a lot of people enjoy yoga is because it releases these stored emotions in their body. So even although the, as the asana practice is only one aspect of yoga, that's actually why it's so popular is because it gets people into their body, breathing into their body cells again and that just releases trauma so for me when I started doing yoga like I remember the first time I cried in a yoga pose I actually cried about a breakup that I had that was fairly recent and I didn't even cry about like I was it was so stressful and traumatic that I actually didn't cry about it until I was in that yoga pose and it was like I was having a flashback you know almost to like the time when it happened and I realized okay that was like stored in my hips which is the psoas is like that muscle is actually called the seat of the soul. So like a lot of our, a lot of people hold tension in their hips and that's actually where a lot of our most traumatic experiences and even stuff from past lives is stored, I feel. So 
Anyway, leading into that, like it, I also started meditating and doing body scanning, which I can go into more detail later. But then I also started spending a lot of time in nature. Like it was just a natural progression. Like I was doing yoga, starting to do meditation, and I just spent hours in nature. Like it just felt very good for my body. It was like something was recalibrating. So that was kind of my introduction to like embodiment in in that sense. And I can go into more depth later. But yeah, I'm interested to see what your first experience is like, because I know that you were very like head centric for a while. So how did you get yes. back into your body? Growing up in Germany, <laughs> <laughs> very much a lot in my head. Um, you know, it also relates, you know, a couple of things that came to me as well, you were sharing in general relates to to be embodied or like really being in your body and getting the messages from your body also implies to be in the present moment in yeah. the now and not getting caught up. And we always in our heads, most of the time thinking about whatever thought loops about the future of what you should be doing, have to do, including stress, fears, worries we make up, right? Or wishful thinking, dreams, hopes, all of that. Or we are most often stuck in the past of what we should have done, should have said, regrets, nostalgia, sentimentality, resentment anything like and it's a lot of lot of us are just caught in these mechanical thought loops and we never question these thoughts but they prevent us from being in body from getting the message from the body because besides the embodiment process of releasing past trauma wounds and just clearing all of that and feeling yourself through it um our body has also this amazing body intelligence and gives us signs of what is good for us and what is not good for us not only like nutrition food wise but also in terms of making decisions right to try this uh, trusted intuitively intuitively body response coming from the gut um but my personal experience when i first had this experience of embodiment so to speak without knowing that term or even having any no uh, concept about it at all was on the first time I received a massage out in the desert. And I, I shared that experience in a previous podcast when we talked about medicine plants. And I was receiving my first um, massage when I was on psilocybin mushrooms. <laughs> and, you know, as my friend who became my mentor later on, uh, a massage therapist and yoga teacher worked on me. I literally f um, f um, realized that there's energy, there's information, there's memory stored in my muscles and they were released. And as you're walking on me, working on me, um, I had flashbacks to my childhood, you know, of just stuff coming up, my parents, stuff I didn't know about, emotions I had suppressed. And I'm not saying that was just more intensified f through the uh, psilocybin mushroom experience but I had many of these experiences when I started working more with body work so for my personal path work receiving a lot of body work by body work I mean different types of massage modalities to structural deep work rolfing to deep tissue uh, to even more subtle work SLM massage and all of that but it helped me to release emotions or experiences that were literally stored in my body and helped me to get into my body out of my head into my body and you know just realizing that Everything in our body, our bones, our skin, our tissue, our muscles, our fascia are st uh, store information and memory. It's all our, in a sense, our body is almost our walking biography, right? It's just in there. But most of us, we just suppress it. We just, we're not even aware of it because most people in their heads, and like you mentioned before, many people actually, we talked about this before, many people suffer, but they don't know that they're suffering mm -hmm. because it's so dissociated, right? Or addiction comes in. Anything can be addiction. Uh, in terms of avoiding what what you know escaping certain emotions or feelings or experiences yeah. right so again but you know then also later on yoga and meditation has helped me as well um to get to you know get deeper into 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 my body and get those messages and release them and feel myself through them yeah and i think just uh bringing back to what you said about being in the present i've also noticed that uh, I know I've made this mistake in the past, like people can also intellectualize that and be like, my mind is in the present, but my body is not there. Like to really be fully mm. in the present in your body, like that's a, in my experience, that's an intense experience because it, I mean, to be, be really fully there, like that means you're open to whatever is happening. You're completely the receiver of whatever that experience is. And so that takes a lot of bravery. Like, and that's also why it takes a lot of bravery, I feel, essentially to go into your body because it's like, okay, like I'm going to face whatever comes up. 
And, you know, like I noticed because my practice has evolved, like even though I still do yoga regularly, it's more about doing meditation practices where I scan my body. And even today, uh, I was doing a body scan and I just, what I, I started at my feet and I noticed like even the feet hold a crazy amount of tension all the time. And when I first started doing this, I actually couldn't feel my feet at all. Like that's actually very common. So there's two ways that people kind of respond to uh, events that happen to them. Uh, either they suppress the feeling or they check out and they go numb. So that's like the common way. And the other alternative, obviously, is to like fully receive that experience and process it and to go on whatever journey that 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 feeling wants to take you on. And I mean that in the sense that like, so say if we experience like a heartbreak or loss or whatever, we have two choices, like we or a few, few choices, like we can either check out and suppress it and just move on with our lives. And that's going to be stored in our body somewhere, or we can go numb. And the other thing is to go on that journey that that breakup wants us to go on. So going through the grief, the loss or whatever, you know, and going through that an internal process and not, I think the most important thing is like not externalizing it. Like I see also another thing just to note, uh, when people say they're like acting from a body place, the ego can easily use this concept and hijack it and be like, oh, I'm feeling this way. I need to act out this way or whatever mm -hmm. and use it for justification for certain things. And that's also just a form of acting out and it's a way of offloading that energy. And I think, you know, as much as yes, we do need to respond to the events of our lives, like a lot of the stuff that's stored in our body, like that's an internal journey that we need to go on. And that's yeah. also we, we need to become comfortable and familiar with. Or projecting it on others and these kind of things but yeah what he said i've definitely you know i am quote-unquote guilty of that especially in the past i was also um you know intellectualizing that concept of embodiment and i thought it was embodied you know because also ties into i you know back in the days reading or studying a lot of esoterica uh, on and spirituality and and these practices as well as psychology i realized a lot of the a lot, realized a lot of issues i had or like that kind of came up for me from childhood and you know and and related to you know just growing up and and all the childhood wounding uh, i realized them more on an intellectual level meaning i knew what my issue were for example childhood wounding with my parents but not on the on intellectual level but then the mind was tricking myself basically aha uh -huh, now you know what the issue was now you understand it so mm. you can let go of it because that's you know you, the trap of the mental mind of just rationalizing or just giving an, an analysis and explanation and then it's the intellect gets satisfied by that yeah. you know what i mean but then later on you know i had to go through so quite some um humbling disillusionment experiences to realize what actually how I was lying to myself and avoiding the process within my body because true healing happens and needs to happen through the body the body needs to release it right in its own way and and it's important also what I realized then to actually in that embodiment process to not let the mind engage in the sense of falling into the trap of just analyzing what comes up you know similar when I do body scanning like you we can talk about body scanning as well I like to hear what you do that process especially meditation i think it's a very important and powerful process because meditation as you know i, mean, I think we've talked about it before can also be easily used to become dissociated actually and, and not stay in body yeah right um but you know when you truly go inside and also not the, let the mind you know body scanning implies not to analyze with the mind what's going on yeah right not to judge it as whatever good or bad, not putting any labels on it. Mm -hmm. And even the sense, what my experience, and you're not trying to change it, just yeah. putting the awareness on it. Yeah. And, and, and be with it too. And I, and I like just relating to what you said about the, this, um, sorry, the, what did you say about the meditation and using it as a spiritual bypass? Um, a lot of people who are traumatized, their whole thing is disassociating. I know that from my own experience and the people that I work with. And so a lot of the techniques, the meditation techniques, especially like guided meditations and um, all the new age meditations, the whole, you know, a majority of them actually are out of body. And even I heard something interesting uh, about 
Um, if, if anyone's taken the Vipassana uh, retreat course, Vipassana actually just means clear scene, but then Vipassana has been like rebranded by this guy, Goenka, and he does these free, it's actually a great service he's doing, he does these free silent retreats for quote unquote free, they're kind of by donation. But he talks about uh, this meditation teacher I work with. He talks about how in the beginning of those meditation retreats, you just focus on breathing through the nose and noticing uh, that kind of uh, around your nostrils, the air, the, the air coming in and out of your nose. And that actually also creates a very head centric out of body meditation experience also when people do the meditation focusing on their third eye it's like the same way it's like you're just focusing on yes you can achieve some kind of quote unquote meditative results but I find that they're not these embodied results so also being aware that like a lot of meditations like we also need to develop and kind of adapt meditations to the times and I think that what I'm seeing the trend is is like a very more somatic approach to it because we're realizing that like yes like you know there's a million types of meditations that you can get into and a lot of them actually can make you quote unquote feel better but if your soul isn't making process progress and you're still like repeating the same patterns in your lives I would say that's a huge indication that there's something basically trapped in your body cycling over and you can talk about the holographic kinetics how they how they approach that yeah that's yeah before yeah before I want to get into that I want to just re respond to what you just said really bringing it back to the process of embodiment because what's the whole purpose what's the whole point yeah it's yeah the process of embodiment brings up stuff we have suppressed lifetimes or uh, you know everything is stored in our body karma trapped in the body so to speak wounds everything uh, but the whole purpose is to you know connect to who we truly are our true self to anchor the divine in the body right to not escape the world and many spiritual teachings or approaches have also been distorted this way to trying to escape the world like move into the himalayas into a mountain and just be out of body this, transcending yeah. and instead of no we need to bring anchor the divine here in in this 3d world in in our reality we chose to be here right yeah. to spiritualize that and so the whole goal is to but you know, so in the sense, it ties into the awakening process. It's to remove everything that's in the way of who we truly are. All these layers of, of armor, of programming, conditioning, of wounding, right? To connect to our true essence, to find that kingdom within, basically, right? So it's, that's the true process. That's why at the beginning, definitely, it will bring up a lot of shit, so to speak, right? That's why you actually, ironically, if you, if you do meditation practice, quote unquote, correctly, or the embodiment practice, it will bring up your stuff. It's not going to lead you straight to light, love and bliss and unicorns and all of that, right? That can be in many ways, actually a faux, you know, enlightenment experience. It's like a dissociative state mm -hmm. in a sense as well, right? But it's not grounded, embodied in reality. Yeah, exactly. And there's definitely different stages through that process. Like I know, uh, I've just noticed through my own journey, and this could be different for everyone, I'm just speaking for myself, but the first stage when you are meditating into your body is the mind will go literally insane. Mm -hmm. Like it'll just be like, oh, here's an idea. Like it just like, starts yes, like yes. trying to, and it's almost, it's, it's such a trickster. Like it's like, it's really trying to pull you out of that moment because that's also how the mind keeps us disembodied is by jumping from idea to idea and one thing to the next, you know, like you have to, and, the, and, but the interesting thing is, is like the more, the less you stop responding to that energy, it's like a little kid who's like having like a temper tantrum or trying to distract you it's like you just kind of not feed it and then eventually you start getting into the deeper and deeper layers so first the mind really goes crazy with that because that's how, how we stay disembodied is by constantly following these impulses and then once the mind kind of quiets down a bit that's when we can start feeling more into the subtle feelings in our body and it's a very like I like what you said earlier but like not like even myself getting caught in this story, I just realized, as you said that about the old woman at the um, old woman at the airport that I saw that I felt was stored in my body. That also, you know, I have to check myself. That also is a story that I developed. I was feeling some sort of like suffering or pain and 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 whatever, and then just not attaching to the story, and then also receiving it as like almost as purely phenomenological experience. You know what I mean? Because it arises like, what does it feel like? How how is the sensation like? Is it like hot? Is it warm? Where is it in my body? Is a really key question to ask yourself. It's like when you experience something. So, say if I walk into a room and I see someone and they say something hurtful 
where is it in my body and like what is that feeling like and like just exploring that and developing a curiosity towards it whereas the typical response is someone we walk in the room someone says something hurtful and you feel it you act out or you blame them or something but trigger exactly and and one thing that keeps repeating in my mind uh lately is like there's this idea of like the tantric consort in like true tantra not neo tantra that's like your ultimate teacher and the ultimate teacher is actually going to be the thing that triggers the person that triggers you more than anyone so for you that would be me <laughs> <laughs> but in a sense it's about also uh it's about treating reality as your consort so that like, reality is your teacher all the time and um, and also just using every experience that actually triggers a deeper feeling in you, that's actually an incredible teaching for you. So whatever it's bringing up in you is is going to actually, like, uh, now I treat it a completely different way, although it's obviously not always easy in the moment, but when I get triggered in a moment, because I do know my tendency is to disassociate and suppress like everyone else. If I get a really, a feeling that is inaccessible to me normally, like anger is one of them coming up. I know that that, that I must have opened up a lot for that to actually arise in me because that I know just from my own experience that there's certain feelings that are very inaccessible, but I know are under there under the surface. So when we start experiencing emotions that we haven't experienced, in a really long time to also have like look at them as like gifts it's like wow like something opened up I'm finally able to feel that and process it because it was lurking under the surface mm-hmm. yeah it's all about you know especially when you, that's also a sign um, when you get disembodied or that you're in a disembodied state if you get triggered and right away fall into the blame or victim trap, so to speak, right? Or rationalize the mind also when you talked about the, the mind tricks of the mind. You know, whenever the stuff comes up and we can see, we talk about this sometimes, we always, the mind right away wants to find a reason, mm-hmm. right? Of why this happened, why I'm feeling this way, you know? And then, you, you know, look at astrology, astrology transits or anything yeah, like that. You know, like this, um, moon is in Capricorn, that's why, blah, 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 blah. It's, you know whatever yeah but uh, how does that make my, you feel when that happens do you does it resolve the feeling in your body when that happens or yeah exactly so exactly so you can use these as a tool but i also can you can use it to bypass what what needs to arise you know or anything else we can like well this related to my mother and you know like my point is what you said we can easily get lost in the story or trying to make up a story mm-hmm. to actually calm to self-calm you know to almost bypass the process needs to come up and happen you know that's why you can also actually, on, on the other side of the coin, process emotions, wounds, and trauma and heal them without actually knowing a story, yeah. without getting attached to it and just letting the... Because I feel truly, and I know myself, having worked in my bodywork practice uh, with clients over the years, and myself, we have the body has its highly in tune intelligence, and it's always striving towards health and healing. It's, it's healing itself. If we just let it be, if we just give it the space, if we can tune into it. Right, give it the awareness. But for that to happen, we need to get into a relaxed state, you know, because, you know, the ancient yogis with what you mentioned, the, the, the physical asana practice, which has become obviously very distorted in the West, almost more like a fitness workout at yeah, this point. It's actually taking people out of body now. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the ancient yogis understood the body mind connection. They understood that, uh, when you relax your muscles, your tissues and all of that, you relax the mind at the same time. You get mm-hmm. more the, uh, the parasympathetic nervous system. You activate the vagus nerve through intense breath work, pranayama. That's how you relax the body, mm-hmm. right? That's how you tune, become more embodied. You stay more embodied in the present moment and you let the body do its process and spiritualize the body and release whatever needs to be released, not only in a physical, level of tension but also on an emotional level yeah that I have a, yeah that reminds me too like that's one thing that started happening to me happening to me a couple years into my own meditation processes I would have literally just the most painful experience of suffering arise in my body and since my meditation practice calmed my this kind of incessant thoughts in my mind it was just pure just I would just arise in my body no story attached to it and it was just I had to just be with that you know it had no story it was very interesting and i remember really when that started happening because you know normally 
normally because because there's also deep trauma that probably happened years ago and nothing was going on in my life that I could basically blame it on so I just had to experience that and it's also you know really important to note through experiencing and being with our own emotions and going through this embodiment process like it's an act of compassion towards ourselves like think about like when we're suffering and we and if or let's put it in a different perspective if you're being around someone who's suffering and some part of you emotionally checks out like that's not compassionate and the only way to learn how to do that is to do that with your own emotions and i realized that it's this is a practice that we're trying to develop and i feel just in my own experience that the reason that uh you know these quote unquote enlightened people are known for being quite compassionate is cuz they've made this journey with their own emotions so nothing's going to like shock them anymore it's like with buddha before he came enlightened every single lifetime flashed before his eyes but it's very important to note that that wasn't all amazing. He had been everything. So it's, you're making that journey in your body. Like you're making the journey of like, and this is not stuff that you're going to like about yourself. Um, I heard a quote the other day. It's like the peep, the part of the personality that people identify with, the 1% that they, that they like, that's actually not their true self. And the other 99% that they don't like, that's actually who they truly are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that brings up a very important point, and that ties into also more into kind of uh, the limitation or tunnel vision, you know, of just Western psychology in general, right? Which just always relates to everything in childhood, childhood trauma, and all of that. But we care, well, a lot of what we care in our bodies is related to past life trauma, past life karma in the body, literally, or karma in general, which that alone can already be triggering. For people, because some people don't believe in karma, some people don't even believe in past lives. You have atheists, and you know that's where they at. You don't want to convince anyone, you know. And how can you prove it that you have past lives, you know? But there's, you know, it just even makes sense from a soul evolutionary perspective that a soul incarnates over lifetimes to learn certain lessons. And karma has also been speaking about karma. Maybe we can address it a little bit yeah. in terms of karma and the body, how wounds are stored, you know, like any experiences we had. Because it also relates to exactly to what you just said in past lives. We haven't always been nice people, <laughs> so mm -hmm. to speak, to say it uh, uh, lightly. And none of us have been, you know, I forget how many people thought they are like uh, some sort of queen and king in, in Egypt, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all that nonsense. So karma in itself, it's not there's even though such thing as good or bad karma. Right. And you can also, you know, I see it in this day and age how people oversimplify, oh, this is just your calm and all of that. But the point is to, you know, really to take full self responsibility to whatever happened in our lives because the, the universe and the soul is in the process of soul's evolution is constantly striving towards harmony. So there is no such thing as good or bad karma. There's only balance and imbalance. And it's just, you know, you see it in various ancient esoteric teachings, including hermeticism. There's just cause and effect, cause and effect. Right, so whatever we put into motion, certain actions, behaviors we have uh, engaged in, be in the past life, it just creates, it creates a, a, a cause and effect. It creates a counter reaction, right? And that can carry on over lifetimes. So, in the sense, it's always rebalancing itself. And and the whole purpose of karma is just to learn lessons, to learn our own creations, to learn that what we do unto others, we will experience on some point on ourselves. Maybe not the same lifetime, maybe in in future lifetimes, maybe not exact exact way. But it is it is a mystery. And the my, the point I was trying to make, it's even impossible for the mind to figure it out. Yeah, because so much comes into the equation, right? It could be like something we're dealing with, like I said. Just basic childhood trauma could be intense, intense trauma, sexual abuse, whatever happened in our childhood. Many things we maybe don't remember. It could be very slight, you know, just growing up in a society that's out of tune of nature and spirit. So that's already like creating trauma, yeah. wounding itself. It could relate to past lives. It could relate to our ancestral line, genetic line. We also carry the trauma of our ancestors when we decide to incarnate into a certain genetic line. Right. And then our past lives, we could have been a complete different race, uh, male uh, gender and all of that. Then on top of it, you bring in, you know, traps of agreement in regards to occult hostile forces, entity interference and all of that. And then in this day and age, more and more is coming up. So it's impossible for the mind to really figure out what it is. Right. So it's, it's, and, but through that embodiment process, through going inside and really like we also then connect with something deeper with the divine, we actually, um, engage in a process where we also need to surrender to and trust it and have faith, right? Without the mind overanalyzing. 
and not getting the mind trapped in its own game, so to speak. Yeah, um, that's why I'm not a big fan of uh, people who use uh, it's your karma to shame other people because I feel like if they truly understood the process of karma, they would actually also see, you know, in a sense, like I see karma cause and effect. It's actually a very compassionate action. Like it's not about blaming or shaming yourself and being like, oh, it's my karma. That's why I feel that. Like that's, you're missing the point of it. It's about just having that compassion and kindness towards yourself to be like, I'm going to feel whatever unprocessed experiences are stored in my body. And then, uh, this whole topic of how uh, karma is stored in the body um, and also the various traps of agreement where uh, we get into. We're actually going to do a workshop this weekend, which will have already passed by the time this gets released. However, we're also going to do a full webinar on this because this is a really big topic on its yeah. own. It's actually really the purpose of meditation. I'm finding out more and more in my own perspective, <laughs> um, but is is about releasing all this karma in the body. And that's actually what gives us a sense of freedom and open us up to the sense of compassion because it's really important to also see how like it's almost like I like this analogy uh, that this that that this uh, Reggie Ray uses about how like you know this energy emerges from the earth and then there, our ego, the sense of ourselves, holds on to it into the in the body and as a process experience. And the way that this kind of is an action, it's like somebody says something hurtful to you, your ego is actually threatened by the fact that they said something hurtful to you, takes it personally, and it's almost like holds that energy in the body and tries to keep it for itself, you know, rather than being like, oh, you know, this is like a pain that person's in pain they're projecting it on me i'm gonna you know go through whatever journey that 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 thing wants to go on not to say that you don't need to make boundaries etc but an interesting thing to note is also the body actually doesn't know boundaries so when you make a boundary intellectually yes you can like kind of distance yourself from that person but if you're around that person all the time even if you made that intellectual body i can tell you from my own experience that your body will still be feeling whatever energy that they have on them so it's like you know as as important as you know the topic of boundaries is it's also can easily be used as this purely intellectual experience like i can't make a boundary against you right here i can be like i'm making a boundary against you that's be a purely mental thing you're right in front of me right would you say if you also then okay there's a mental boundary and the body can still affect but would you say when the more embodied you are within yourself the less other you have other people other external circumstances have a ne quote-unquote negative effect on you I, mm, I think it just depends, right? Like on what, like, so if I have a trauma that's, that's connected to the way that you act out, then I, no matter how embodied I am, if I have that in my body and you're Because triggering you, you that, still have that with Yeah, you. exactly. Right. I'm going to have to go through that experience. So I think that like, yeah, I mean, I think that there is a thing I've noticed that people who can be, like, uh, like in quote unquote, like empaths, hypersensitive people, they can actually be not in their body. They're constantly picking up other people's energies, you know? So I think there's a certain, a certain extent that's, that that's, that's what that's I true. meant. Uh, well, I'm trying to hint at like the idea what you said, certain, um, because everybody's an empath in this day and age, apparently. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's something to be said about some people are more sensitive and I can relate to that and we pick up other people's energies more easily, but you can use this concept very easily as a bypass or a justification. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm so sensitive. I cannot be around this person, that person, when in fact it's also your uh, responsibility to, you know, you know, um, be able to handle these situations in a sense by being embodied. And I remember I mentioned, I think that in the past podcast before Philip Shepard, you know, he talks a lot about the embodiment process and he has written some excellent books, New Self, New World, The Radical Wholeness. I can recommend his work, by the way. I took some workshops about him. He also talks about the whole um, alchemical marriage of the inner male and female as part of the embodiment process. But when I, you know, told him this thing that I'm kind of sensitive around certain situations and people and can be oversensitive and he said something very interesting back to me he said there's no such thing as oversensitivity there's only lack of embodiment so if you're truly embodied also in the sense of like having a high level of being and anchored within the divine right i think that's you know a high level of being you can be in any circumstances and your peace cannot be distorted 
Depending, though, I feel like it depends. I, like, yeah, because yeah, like, so like, even if I'm embodied and in my body, like, and some person comes along who's really a teaching who triggers something that's still suppressed in me. Like, I think that there's a certain point of embody. I don't think that like, I think that's a high level of that's being. A high level. A high I'm level not even comparing myself to it when there's like, you know, let's say I it's idealized yeah. hypothetically like you have resolved your trauma everything is gone you're fully embodied yeah. I means I'm basically being enlightened yeah but I do <laughs> notice that p most people who are like very out of body they tend to be overly concerned with how what other people are feeling and then they're actually like that's the thing is like they're picking up other like person who calls himself an empath who can't go on public transportation because they pick up every emotions that actually was me at one point, but that was me because I was very out of body. So mm -hmm. like as soon as I, and, and so if you're out of body and you're kind of your consciousness or your awareness is almost in the environmental realm or the more the etheric realm, everything that's in there, people's thought forms, people's energies, you're going to, you're going to receive. However, if you're in your body, the more like, especially if you're working on a meditation practice and you're kind of clearing the vessel, however, it doesn't mean stuff isn't still going to come up. I think there's a difference between hypersensitivity and then stuff coming up if that makes sense yeah and also being yeah. able to determine which stuff is yours and which stuff is mine like if i'm out of body someone walks that's, in the room that's a and very important i'm sorry but i was saying that's a very important distinction you just made yeah about like when i'm hypersensitive because i'm out of body or actually some trauma truly gets triggered within my body yeah right yeah Exactly. And being able to determine what's mine and what's another person's as well. Like, I think that especially like with the enmeshment that happens in our relationship to an extent, like it's like we're so, mm. you know, there's many different joinings together that happen, which is natural in the process of our relationship. But then also, in a sense, like, you know, like, it's all determining as well. Like, you know, I, I know from my own experience that it doesn't actually help me. So say if someone's going through like a huge crisis, yes, like I can feel for them. But if I get really wrapped up in their experience and the drama of it, it actually doesn't serve me to help them. Because it's very, it's very interesting. I can relate to that. Like you mentioned, um, because I used to do that, you know, in my own process, being very sensitive and being very overly concerned who other people feel or they're doing. Yeah. Having people pleaser syndrome. Yeah. Right. Or, um, in past relationships, codependency issues, just to kind of like, is the other person okay? Are you doing fine? Is everybody okay? But I realized, you know, on a subconscious level was not just being actually sincerely concerned if the other person's fine good, but also was my own self interest because, yeah. you know, um, as long as the other person feels good, I feel good. You know? Yeah. And then also I feel in that instance too, it's about being with what comes up in you and the other person isn't feeling good. So whatever is arising in you, developing a relationship with that. So say if someone's uncomfortable and I immediately go into like guilt and shame, like I did something wrong, that's actually the thing that's arising in my body, which is a journey for me to go on. But the more I get involved in their own experience, the more it, uh, it makes it so I have to avoid going through that process as well. So it's yeah easy to like react from that space as well with whatever comes up but it's about like returning to that and I and I really love the analogy which I've said several times in this podcast about this journey that this experience wants to go on because I think especially for people who uh, meditate for longer periods or more experienced with it like you know like you'll be feeling uh, I know I notice when I do meditations on the heart um, at times it would just feel I wouldn't feel anything there and at some point, it's, I'd start to feel a little bit of something, like a little bit of just pressure and movement or energy there. And then, you know, uh, there would be like anger or something. Underneath that would be sadness. So like there's this whole like, mm -hmm. you know, like individual hero's journey that any tension in our body wants to go on, you know, and it's about being able to be with that and and, and, and see that journey for what it is. And also, um, I think it's just important to know, we maybe can go in this further in the second hour because I see that we're running out of time, but we live in this very um, technologically focused out-of-body culture. And um, especially, you know, when you look at people, how they use their smartphones, they like tilt their head a little bit down and that literally cuts off the energy from your head to the rest of the body. So you see, it's almost like by design that like people are like getting out of body and very in their head. So I think it's also important, you know, to take time away from technology, from all screens and just be with yourself, like in your body, like meaning no distractions, even reading and podcasts. Like, yeah, that's amazing 
amazing. I love them. But, you know, just just to be with yourself, like every morning, like especially if I either I meditate sitting or I'll do it lying in bed and just scan my body and just start the day off that way and just developing these kind of positive habits. So maybe we can go more about into the specific embodiment practices we use because that's one of mine. Yeah. It's like every morning when I wake up, sometimes I don't feel like doing a full seated meditation because that that's uh, getting the posture right is a process in itself. And sometimes I'm just tired. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be with this tiredness, but I'm not going to just be with it, you know? And I think that's also the thing is we live in this culture, not only technologically focused, but it's always like, go, 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 like produce, produce, produce. And this is also very subconscious. It's almost like the wound of like capitalism. It's like just not listening to your body is actually, I think a collective ancestral wound as well. It's like, you need to work to survive, and, and and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, sorry, you wanted to say something? You know, because it just uh, it triggered me. No. <laughs> no, but I can relate to that. For me, I think that's my, I feel I'd blame my Germanness to it or something like always feeling a need to be productive, always needing to do. Yeah. And the big journey in my life has to, like, even when I'm watching movies or anything, like, I always feel like I need to be something insightful I can learn from and allow myself almost to be lazy of, of, of non-doing without yeah. the internal pressure I always have to do and, and, and go on and, you know, and some, you know, I'm on, I've worked a lot through that. Some people can be in the opposite, opposite spectrum and just can again, get lost in quote unquote laziness, non-action and just, you know. Sometimes they're very thing. disembodied though, too, because the, lazy people, like, that I mean, out of it, the conventional, sense. like, when I think of the Western lazy people, it's just like watching Netflix or like, yeah. you know, escaping into like media and stuff like that. Like, um, so. Yeah, like yeah. I think I think it's basically just collectively we're dealing with this like culture that needs to embodiment also means slowing down to me. So like yeah. we need to yeah. slow down everything, and this is going to change. Like if people start actually becoming truly embodied, it's going to change the whole culture. Yeah. Like the but whole world is exactly. going to have to uh, reevaluate itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's we can talk about that. Definitely want to talk about it in the second hour, going a bit deeper also into the whole matrix control system and how we are this this way of living in our modern world, quote unquote first world, is designed to be disembodied, you know, to live a head centric existence. And that ties also into something I definitely want to get into in the second hour, into transhumanism. AI from uh, especially from a hyperdimensional uh, matrix perspective, how it relates to soul snatching and keeping us in a disembodied state so we're easier controlled. And uh, you know, and also would love to in the second, as you mentioned, maybe we can give this some more practical advice or guidance or practices. Or like you did in a, in a I think you did a very uh, a great meditation. Uh, the uh, cold forces webinar which i've heard have helped a lot of people so maybe we can you can do a little guided meditation in the second hour yeah in terms of the body scan what you just talked about mm -hmm. that would be helpful and yeah and go just a bit deeper more into how this relates how this also relates to the time of transition in the collective right because it's to more and more people are see the necessity of becoming more embodied of like seeing even through the commercialization of yoga right so there's some shift happening as well but at the same time there's also the push the matrix on overdrive to keep people like in their heads to keep them disembodied ai is is you know transhumanism is almost the end game of of the hyperdimensional matrix as i see it yeah. Right. And what yeah, else? so uh, more topics that we're going to get into in the second hour is about also uh, I wrote down sickness and a healing crisis. So mm -hmm. whenever people are sick, actually, it's amazing experience for embodiment because you have to be embodied. Like your <laughs> it, it grounds you when you're sick. So that's also initiation. I think that's what happens too when people are living out of body and not listening to their body is. What yes. main thing yeah. people get sick? It just happened to me. That's why I'm sniffing and like kind of sound congested right now. So, and then also, um, and that creates an opportunity for healing. And then another thing to get into is also just this response versus reaction. So, like, you know, what is it when we're acting from an embodied place? Like, how do we act? Mm. How do we actually do that? Which is, I think, just an exploration on its own. And then, yeah, just basic embodiment practices that we use. And by the way, like, if you really want to go super in depth about this, we're going to have a whole program designed about it at our upcoming retreat in June. 
And yeah. I know we have, as of as of recording this, we have a couple spots left. So hopefully by the time it releases, we'll Literally still have those spots left. Literally a couple of spots left, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's something we'll guide you through because I find that, you know, especially doing it in nature, we're going to be in the Peruvian jungle. Um, it's, it's very helpful to have a guide in these experiences. Like, I, I know for myself maybe the positive side of having like Japanese German nature is I can be very disciplined like when I want to do something but a lot of people actually need a guide and you can also learn a lot from a teacher like I'm going to do yoga practices based on the different elements of nature so see how they kind of all inter interwoven but the really the main focus um, on from a spiritual perspective along with all the workshop topics we're going to get into which are listed on your website but it's about embodied meditations and learning how to listen to the intelligence for a body and especially also so being like you mentioned at the beginning, key point is that helps is to be in the in nature and literally going to be in the middle yeah. of the jungle, beautiful, surrounded by waterfalls and rivers, and just even hikes in the jungle and using you know these concepts in the sense of like you know it's also like you mentioned it's it's easier to get into my uh, embodied state when we are. Uh, out in nature supportive by these energies and tune into these frequencies, right? Which we have become desynthesized from because we live on concrete and always rushing, especially in our everyday life. We're always in the same patterns, right? We have our own uh, program, mechanical behaviors. Each morning we get up, check the phone first thing. And, you know, it just, it's very mechanical. So yeah. there's not much awareness or conscience behind that. Yeah, exactly. And that's also, yeah, it's about, you know, kind of setting yourself up to these kind of positive embodiment practices and that's also a thing, good thing to note I realize too the more I work on these embodiment practices when I wake up and I check my phone first thing unless it's just to check the time or something if I check with my phone I'm like oh like I can f- it doesn't feel good to me anymore who pressed like on my Facebook yeah posts. <laughs> well I don't care about that anymore because it's like out of hand at this point but it's just like but yeah that's the whole thing and it's like people also sleep with their phones Holy next shit, to their head which insane. is like insanity so uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah. so... Also, we can talk about this as well. That's yeah. um, part, it ties into, in the second hour, besides transhumanism, but also how um, Wi-Fi, 5G, upcoming oh, yeah. 5G, EMF radiation also interferes with the embodiment process by design. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the second hour is available. You can access it by signing up to the membership on my web- website, veilofreality.com. And uh, it also gives you access to our membership forum. And we have amazing discussions already going on there uh, with people from all over the world. It's a private membership forum. And uh, yeah, and you have all access to all the past episodes, uh, all the second hours, the archive. And uh, hopefully see you and hear around in the second hour. Yep. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye.